It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 10th of September. Get to know Mia Oni. I think you'll like him by the end of the year, and I know you'll like him by the end of today. Plus, FIBA World Cup continues. An amazing experience for Donovan Mitchell. Plus, shot clock usage. We'll get into it all on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast of the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, Geeky numbers and making the offseason hopefully more fun for you as a Jazz fan. And the offseason is winding up. Many and many of the guys are in town right now playing uh, optional pickup kind of games and, and somewhat of a structure. Uh, and I'm getting the opportunity to sit down with a bunch of the players and I'm going to relay those interviews to you over the next few weeks before training camp starts. Let you get to know our players a little bit today. Today, Mia One. The Yale second-round draft pick. I think this kid's got a chance to play, people. I've said this uh, throughout the time. Uh, watching him in Summer League, he was the one that jumped out to me. Watching him yesterday in the open gym, uh, I talked to him a little bit about this. He can pass with both hands off the dribble. It's a unique skill that most people, frankly, don't have. And I think it's something uh, that could very well separate him uh, I, I think he's he's got good size at 6'6". Six, six. I think he can handle it well enough to run the offense. He can play with the ball on the ball or off the ball. I think he can come in for short stints and defend. I suspect that of the three guys, Mia One will be the one with the longest NBA career. And I think he'll be the one who plays most immediately. I, I really see a similarity uh, to... Luke Bamute. Luke Bamute was is six eight. Uh, Mia One is uh, a six six and a little smaller, uh, and that would be the difference. Uh, Bamute was a thirty seventh pick of a draft by Milwaukee. He did not shoot it at all early in his career, but he just played hard enough, was versatile enough to play both positions, and, and that might. The, the, where those two might be different is that Luke Bamute is more of a power player at, at 6'8", 230 with that physical size. And Mia One is really just 6'6". And, 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 and I don't know how tall. He, he, he was not big when I was next to him yesterday. That, that struck me that as, as ripped as he is at 22, I'd say he's probably 210. Um, but he's developing. He's getting better. If you don't remember his story, he was lightly recruited out of Viewmont. He actually committed to Williams College, which is a small Division three, super elite athletically, I mean, academically, number one uh, liberal arts college in the country. And then got uh, had an injury his junior year. He talks about that in our interview that we'll have coming up for you. He then gets better, goes off to Suffield Academy, and then signs with Yale because they were one of the first people on him. And he... Uh, and plays at Yale, and that was the 58th pick of the draft. He turned down, if I remember correctly, uh, some pretty nice players, uh, nice places out of that uh, 
prep school because he had opportunity. You know, they were on him early. This, a coach named Matt Kingsley uh, was with him, and he got a lot of playing time, and he got a Yale degree. So, uh, and he's, you know, he started every game for three years by doing that. So we'll, we'll hear from Mia One here in a minute. Uh, there is so much discussion uh, about this FIBA World Cup, which has just been awesome, and whether or not guys should play or not. Guys, this is a no-brainer. Unless you have an extensive, outlandish resume of experience, the opportunity that is being given to Donovan Mitchell tomorrow, tomorrow morning the USA will play France. We'll have a FIBA World Cup live postgame show on Locked On Live. Follow Locked On Live on Twitter, Twitch, uh, Facebook, and YouTube. Whichever format's best for you, we'll come to you live immediately after the game, so make sure you jump on that. Uh, But this is the biggest basketball game that Donovan Mitchell has ever played in his entire life. He will probably learn more from this game than any game he ever plays uh, for quite some time. We can talk about an NBA playoff series against Houston when an undermanned Utah Jazz team had very little to no chance to defeat them. Or a series against Oklahoma City in the first round where they did. But this is a single elimination game against France where if they lose, they will leave like Serbia just did this morning without a medal. And for the U.S. who has not lost in non-exhibition play, to lose without a medal would be mammoth. So the pressure on this game is more than any game he's ever played. The magnitude of the game on the world scale is more. And we can sit here in Salt Lake City, Utah, or Orem, Utah, or wherever, and try to say, well, it's not as important. Let me tell you what. If you're Donovan Mitchell, and you're in China, and you've been living that environment, it's that important. And for Joe Ingles, whose team pulled off a stunner of France yesterday, and now he's got a road to possibly get to the gold medal game and maybe win the World Cup for Australia and become a legend in your country forever. Or for Rudy Gobert, who frankly now has a path to a gold medal for France. If they beat the United States, they become the favorite. He's done it before. It was his coming out party. These games are mammoth. So when you look at some of the young players in the NBA that turned this down, when they have no experience of winning, of major games, of any experience like this, it's asinine. Absolutely 100% asinine for these players to not give this time. If you're going to be an Olympian next year, if you have a legacy and litany of experience, Playing in mammoth, important games. You're Steph Curry. You're LeBron James. You're Kyrie Irving. You don't need this. That's fine. And you're playing in the unique circumstance that we have next year. I'm with you. If you're any tier below that, you're Marvin Bagley. You're De'Aaron Fox. You're Devin Booker, and you haven't played a single basketball game in your entire career that means diddly squat. Yeah, I said diddly squat. And you bypass the opportunity to play in these games for some selfish reason? That's asinine. 
what Donovan Mitchell is going to experience tonight, getting ready for this game, tomorrow, playing in this game, with this kind of pressure, what Jason Tatum is going to experience, what Jalen Brown is going it's awesome. And you become better because of it. Or you don't. Right? Or you don't. But we find that out. At least you weren't running from it or not willing to give of yourself for it. You're now part of something collective. It's interesting to me that we sit around and say all the time, these young kids need to go to college for the college experience, but we're perfectly willing to let them bypass playing for the USA in a team group experience. This, frankly, will probably be, and if Donovan gets to a, a payback on this for getting to be a part of an Olympic team, this will probably be one of the single greatest experiences of his life. Unless they lose. And then it's not. And that's what this is all about. It's really, really awesome what Donovan is going to experience tomorrow. 5 a.m. Mountain Time start, 7 a.m. post-game show, Mountain Time, Locked On Live. It's on ESPN Plus if you just want to grab the post-game show afterwards. Please do follow uh, Locked On Live on Twitch, Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, follow it. That'll be our Locked On Podcast Network live channel for you. Uh, I did some interesting research on jazz and shot clock uh, for you, and we'll have that coming up. And then tomorrow's show... I've got some interesting things coming up on rebounding. Um, And I don't know exactly what I'm finding on some of these things. I'm just doing a bunch of research right now, getting ready for the season, looking at some fun things, digging into basketball, getting my mind going, prepping teams. Um, I'm starting on all the worst teams in the league prep-wise. You don't want to know crap about the New York Knicks, so I'm not telling you. But as we get closer, uh, starting pretty soon, I will be doing a jazz player and a team every day. And so that'll be part of our shows as well. Mia One, we'll get to know him coming up. And we'll talk about Shot Clock as well. Today's show brought to you in part by our... Our good friends at Murdoch Hyundai, have you heard about the Palisade? You might have heard about it. Now the next question is, have you seen it? Because the Palisade is the hottest car on the market. It is the new eight-seater Palisade Hyundai. It is the, the Linden store is the number one Palisade dealership in America right now. Hyundai's located in Linden. It's also located in Murray at 4646 South State Street and up in Logan. I'll tell you, if you're looking at a Hyundai or if you're looking at a car, take a second and look at the Hyundai. You can decide whether you think it it looks how you want, if it drives how you want. I will feel pretty comfortable in telling you this. You will get more features for your dollar with the Hyundai than any car on the market. And the new 2020 Palisade is amazing. It is the... Most beautiful, full-powered SUV, 219 horsepower, amazing torque. We bought the Santa Fe recently for my son and my wife, but really for my son. And it has every bell and whistle. Those are all standard now on the Palisade. Check it out at 4646 South State Street. If there's some left in Linden, see it. Also, the Santa Fe, the Tucson, and the Kona. That's the SUV lineup. The little Kona is fun and zippy. I'm going to have to see if I can bend Blake's. Arm a little bit and get back in one of those Konas. They're awfully fun. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Today's show is also brought to you by Stealth Media. Got to know Eric a little bit. He's the owner of Stealth Media. He's built this company. It's cool. It's DirecTV, AT&T together. You know, I'll be honest. When I was talking to him, I realized I have this thought that when you, 
when you think of DirecTV, I think of it just on my television. Well, now, coupled with AT&T, you can take it with you everywhere. And if you're on AT&T and you're streaming DirecTV, it doesn't count as any of your data. Plus, the amazing 72-hour rewind if you forgot to DVR something. Boy, that would be nice. My wife missed the Seahawk game this weekend because the DVR didn't work quite right. She would have been able to get it. And how'd she get that Seahawk game? On Sunday Ticket, and Sunday Ticket is free if you sign up now with Stealth Media, 385-399-4186. That's Stealth Media at 385-399-4186. Combine your AT&T and your TV, get the best coverage, save money, take it on the go. Stealth Media, 385-399-4186. And Eric says he'll give you a $100 gift card. If you mention Locked On, maybe if you talk a little jazz with him, too. Make sure you mention Grayson Allen. He's very upset about the Grayson Allen trade. We'll see if he's right or not. I don't think he is. 385-399-4186. That's 385-399-4186. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better-for-you golden oven-fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sautéed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. So looking at... Shot clock usage. Why am I doing that? Because there's so much talk in the league about pace of play. And pace of play has gone way up in the NBA over the last few years. But the Jazz are unique because of Quinn Snyder's offense. So I'm trying to figure out two things. As this team turns over and you add Mike Conley, who frankly, Memphis played 12 and a half possession, 12.6% of their possessions in the final four seconds of the shot clock and weren't good at it. Little just now, is that Memphis? Is that Mike Conley? I do think the Jet, like we got these amazing players, but they need to be reprogrammed a little, right? We, We are a better analytic team than most. And these guys need to be reprogrammed. Mike Conley takes too many floaters. Bojan Bogdanovic has too many mid-range shots. Okay? Mike Conley plays too late in shot clocks. Is that because of Mike Conley? Or is that because of Memphis? Or is that just what Mike Conley's gotten used to? Mike Conley is an all-star level point guard. He's tremendous. He is great. We are going to love him. But it doesn't make him flawless. And there are little things that are going to have to be adjusted. Emmanuel Moutier takes way too many mid-range jump shots. Now he doesn't make above the break three, so you have to kind of weigh that a little bit and figure out what you want him to do. Okay? 
Donovan Mitchell, we've talked about it. You've got the the Jazz had the fourth best shot distribution of any team in the NBA last year, and they've added guys who have less good shot distribution than the players they got rid of. Like for Jay Crowder, may have been the worst or second worst shooter his position in the NBA. Thank you, Al Farouk Aminu. And but he took three pointers. He didn't fiddle with anything else, which was great, which is what made him viable. So I'm looking at the shot clock. And the Jazz are unique in some sense of the shot clock. So the shot clock, 22 to 24 in the shot clock, the NBA looks at it. I don't know what that is. It's not an offensive rebound anymore because that resets to 12, which is also interesting because it kind of screws up the shot clock data uh, entirely, the new shot clock rules. Um, Because of the fact that you now get an offensive rebound and it's into the shot clock. So it's the shot clock data is kind of screwed up. And I think that's important as people use it uh, and I'm about to use it, so let's remember that. It's a little screwed up. So 22 to 24 on the shot clock. I don't know what that is. Cherry picking? So I'm ignoring that. From 18 to 22 on the shot clock. So now you're really running, right? And the teams that did this most were Sacramento and Oklahoma City. They were 20% of their possessions, and no one else is even close. The Lakers and the Bucks were at 18. And there's only six teams in the entire NBA that were above 16% last year, or 16.5%. So you in there at 20. So they're running at a rate much higher than anyone else. In those circumstances, the Jazz were not very good. The Jazz effective field goal percentage was 58%. It's in the bottom half of the league. Okay? Now, Jay Crowder wasn't great in the transition. Uh, Ricky Rubio wasn't great in transition. So the guys we got rid of aren't great. And, and Donovan will, will, is pretty good, but he's not actually as exceptional as you think. So we're in the bottom 10 at 58 effective field goal percentage. You go to 15 to 18 on the shot clock. Okay, you're still early. You're still pushing the tempo. You're doing some interesting things. Oklahoma City's at 23%. New Orleans was at 21. Clippers and Bucks were at 20%. You've got seven teams above 18.5%. And the Jazz come in right in the middle of the pack at 18%. And we do it it pretty well. We're in the top 10 now in the league at 54%. 0.8%. But let's, I'm just going to use round numbers for the ease of the conversation. So the first knot was 58. The second notch is 55%. Now we're into the heart of the shot clock. 7 through 15, it's a little screwy because of the offensive rebounding numbers. But we're now the t- one of the teams, we do this the fourth most, and we're the third best, and our effective field goal percentage is at 55%, the exact same. All right, this is really interesting. So somewhat because of offensive rebounding, but also the Jazz, because of their system, they get down the court, they get in their system, they start the picks, they start the actions, they start the advantage basketball, and their shot clock usage between 7 and 15 is the same as 18 to 15. That's interesting. Because the league average in those circumstances, the league average is three percentage points less good. Now let's go to seven to four on the shot clock. We're, we're late in the clock now, right? We're between four and seven in the clock. The Jazz used this about middle of the pack. Uh, Cleveland and Memphis used it the most. Okay, remember, Memphis used it the most. I don't know if that's because of Mike Conley or because of personnel, but it's worth, right? That's, that's more importantly, this is what he's used to doing. You're going to have to deprogram that. The Jazz are pretty good again. The Jazz are the sixth best team in the league, and our effective field goal percentage slips to 53%. So we've gone from 58, 55 twice, to 53. What's interesting now, though, is that the league average at this is now 49. 
So the league average has dropped another three percentage points. From a league standpoint, just kind of look at the league. The league drops about three percentage points or so in every single one of these little drops, even even more early. We go from 59 to 54, then from 54 and the 7 to 15, the clock is right around 51, and then we get down to 4 to 7 on the shot clock, and the league average drops to about 48, and then it falls off the map in 0 to 4. Okay, then the league gets down to 39%. So you drop about three percentage points as the shot clock goes, and then you fall 10 at the final moment. The Jazz, though, don't do that. They go from 58 to 55, stay at 55, then they go to 53, and then they fall off the map. They go from 53 to a league average 39% in the final four seconds of the shot clock. So one of the real questions to me for the Jazz is what can they do to use the bottom pack of the shot clock less? They used it 8.3% of the time last year, which was actually in the bottom. It's the middle of the pack. The team that used it least was Oklahoma City, Golden State, Boston, Atlanta, Sacramento, Washington. The Pugs. Well, There's a few things that are interesting here. The teams that used it the most were Memphis, Detroit, Cleveland, non-playoff, Houston, great, Toronto, great, Indiana, playoff, Brooklyn, playoff. So four of the bottom seven teams that used it the most were actually playoff teams. And on the bottom, Oklahoma City, Golden State, Boston, all playoffs, but Atlanta, Sacramento, Washington, New Orleans, not. So only three, there's not a big winning difference between these two. So as much as I just put an emphasis on it, and I do think that's a very important thing for the Jazz, is just, you know, if they stay where they were last year, it's probably fine. But here's the thing. Mike Conley, because this is, I think, because of roster, but again, deprogram a little bit. Nothing, there's nothing, I'm not, we're not, there's not a critical element here to what's being talked about. Just deprogram. Mike Conley last year used 15% of his possessions in the final four seconds of the shot clock and 13 and 27 in the final seven. Now, the final seven for most teams is bad, but it's not for us. So let's just, that bottom number is he used 14. Why did he do that? Because he had nobody else around him to help him at all. Donovan Mitchell had the same thing. Donovan Mitchell used 9% of his possessions in the final four seconds of the shot clocks. Think about how much Donovan did that. If Mike Conley did it nearly two times or 50% more, it's a lot. Those guys have to be deprogrammed. So that'll be interesting. I right, hope that was worth it. Tomorrow, we're going to look at some really interesting stuff on rebounding. By the way, if you look at 15 to 22 on the shot clock, which is really when you're pushing it, that will tell you a lot, and we'll look at that coming up this week as well. We'll, we'll extend this conversation to what 15 to 22 on the shot clock does and where the Jazz are in that, because that's probably what we're talking about. Can you move a few of your possessions, 2 or 3% of your possessions? We're talking minuscule amounts, three possessions a night. Can you move one possession a quarter? We're getting greedy from four, 0 to 4 on the shot clock to 15 to 22. And how do you do it? That's what the Jazz need to do. That gets them a little bit better. And they have to be better when they are late or when they're early because they weren't very good early. We'll talk about that throughout the week. Uh, Mia One, get to know him. You'll like him. It's coming in just a second. Have you dug into Homie yet? Because it's pretty cool. So I've told you all about Homie in regards to Homie 
and the fact that homie will sell your house for you uh, and you can on a set price and you don't need to give up a bunch of money. We all like this. All, all this sounds good, right? We're saving so far. What I'm talking about when I'm talking about homie, I'm talking about saving you money, not making you pay more money because you did a good job with your house and got your house ready. Um, all of those kind of things. Well, homie will do even more than that for you. Homie is, uh, will help you sell your house. Now they also can help you buy any home. That's right. You, homie will refund you $5,000 back so you can buy more home with your money. Text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. That's LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588, and you'll get connected to a homie agent who will find your dream home, tour homes with you, make offers, negotiate the deal, and then give you $5,000 back in the end. Sounds like a good deal. Go to homie.com, request a tour, or text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. Your local homie agent will help you save Every step of the way. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. What would you show me? What were the things you'd want me to see? Uh, in my hometown, I'd probably want you to see a lot of food spots, a lot of different food spots like um, Spot Kicking Cajun, it's really good. Of course, I'd want you to go to the shopping center on Rinaldi, In-N-Out Burger, the Walmart, all those places. So, yeah, definitely that. And um, shopping center on Tampa, <laughs> the Northridge Mall, the, yeah, Northridge 24-Hour Fitness and Northridge Alley Fitness. Those are the places I played a lot growing up. And the Porter Ranch YMCA and Mason Park. So those are the places I grew up playing, so those for sure. Were you going to double-double at the In-N-Out? Yeah, double-double, no tomatoes, light well fries. You can get them <laughs> animal style. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh, How many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one sister. She's um, older than me. She's just health administration in Washington, D.C. for MedStar now. So, yeah. So I read an article that there was a high school that recruited you, but they really recruited her. Is this, the, is this yeah. a true story? Oh, yeah, Sierra Canyon um, wanted her to come because she was, like, a big-time player. And I was young. I wasn't really, like, a basketball player. I wasn't even going to leave school. I was just like, oh, I want to go, too. And they were like, okay, yeah, your little brother can come. So, yeah, that was what happened. And you got your first varsity letter in what? First, um, like, first game I played? No, you didn't. Or, uh, like, college. I think I thought I knew the answer to this question, but your high school varsity letter, uh-huh. wasn't it in marching band? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Orchestra, orchestra. Yeah, orchestra. yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, that's the first like, yeah, basically varsity thing I did. Yeah. And what was give everyone the story about the about that before your basketball took off? Um, yeah, I played since I was um, nine, ten years old. I played the viola, and my sister played before, so I kind of copied her. And so I just played, and then I was in the orchestra for all four years. Basically, I enjoyed it. It was cool, and then I really started playing basketball and varsity like late. Late in my junior year, I played a couple of games. So. If you took us back to your childhood room, what would we see on the walls, or what was what was the room like? Uh, there's a my childhood wall was decorated with like Peter Rabbit like <laughs> decorations. I don't know. I think it came with the house. I didn't ask for it, but that's what was there. Then basketball posters of my favorite players, also. And they were uh, Kobe, Shaq was there. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon was there. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tracy McGrady was there too. Yeah. Who's the first coach that – you started late, so who's the first coach that kind of tapped you and said, hey, you got some real talent? Uh, I mean, my dad coached me when I was young a little bit, so he always did. But um, then um, by the end of my high school career, my high school coach kind of pumped me up and my AAU coach for sure. And then my prep school coach was the first one that said he thinks that I can play in the NBA, like right when he saw me. So, yeah, those guys for sure. And what's Yale like? It's cool. I like it. It's fun. Um, I think it's a little more fun than people expect. Honestly, it's like really good environment. Sure, it can be. It can be tough at times. For sure, it can be difficult. But there's a lot of good people there. That's the thing about Yale. There's good, good people on the campus. Good people in the administration. So. Well, who's the person in your career that was toughest on you? Uh, probably my mom. My mom for sure. Yeah, I'd say like consistently. She's a. She's not like that. She wasn't like crazy tough. She was more tough on me academically than um, athletically, but um, still athletically she'd want to, she'd be disappointed when I wouldn't do certain things. It's not even like scoring. When I wouldn't like rebound, she'd be really mad or when I wouldn't like just look like I had that much energy, she'd be upset with me. So yeah, but later in my career, my dad kind of was more hands off and just like advised me on things, but my mom was still kind of tough. You play your first NBA game. Who who will you think of? Who will you text? Who will you look up in the crowd to? What, who's that person whose praise maybe matters the most? Uh, my parents for sure. Yeah, my parents. Yeah, my sister too. So, uh, what's the toughest thing you've ever had to overcome? Uh, probably um, for myself, my injury in my junior year, and that being not having played any varsity games and not knowing if I was going to be able to play in college after that was kind of stressful. And I didn't know if I was going to play basketball anymore. I started, when I got hurt, I just started focusing on school really and making sure my grades were good to apply to school regularly and not play. So that was, that was tough. And then being able to get back to where I am now is really, it's been great and it's been a tough experience, but that's made me who I am today. What is the one thing you'd really like to get better at? Uh, in basketball or life, in anything? I left it open for a Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't really know. Just in basketball, I like to work on just being as consistent as possible every single day. And same thing in life, just being consistent, don't have up and downs and every ups and downs and like just be the same every single day. I think that's important, so. Do you have a moment of practice where you're like, okay, this is either the, the cliche would be like the craziest thing you've ever done, but like where you really just, you know, pushed it further than you ever have before or kind of the moment where you realized, 
wow, this is the sign that I internally that I'm really going for because I'm doing this. Uh, definitely in like conditioning when I just like feel like I'm about to like literally pass out and I still like find a way to keep going. It's like lets me know internally that I have more and I can give more than my brain tries to limit myself as so my body as so yeah. I was watching you in the open gym and you threw a left-handed pass off a dribble to the corner. Aren't you right-handed? Yeah, yeah, I am. But um, yeah, I mean, I have to. I've always practiced passing with both hands. My coach just told me earlier that I have to be able to. So, yeah, I work well, on that a lot. I mean, there aren't a lot of, I mean, bigger guys, smaller guys, obviously have to. But practicing one-handed passing off the bounce is a pretty unique skill to be able to do with both hands. Yeah, I appreciate that. I I try to just make sure that I like my game to be as well-rounded as possible. So I don't try to work on just one thing. I like. When I was younger, sometimes I would do like full passing workouts and just throw the ball off the wall, let it come back to me, and do that for like 30 minutes and just try to work on both hands and different types of passes. That might have been the craziest practice thing you've ever done, too. Yeah, yeah. When, when a fan thinks of you, what would you like them to think? Uh, just think of a good citizen first and foremost, a good person, and just a, that's also a good player. Like I, I want to be someone that's known as someone that's intelligent, that's a great basketball player and a great person. Yeah. You're wearing 24. I hate to ask this question. Why? Um, so I was originally my number growing up all the time was 13. I was giving it to it randomly, and I just stuck with it. Basically, I didn't really like odd numbers at the time, but I was just like I liked it, and I just stuck with it. I wore it throughout high school, and then um, college I had to switch to 24. I well prep school actually I switched to 24 because um, I knew I was going to switch in college because my teammate was 13 already. So, um, yeah, Kobe was my favorite player growing up and from Los Angeles, and it was his last season. My prep school season was his last season, so I wore 24 just because of that. And I also, um, I liked, that was Buddy Hill's senior year in college also, so I liked him. So I wore 24 just more for Kobe, but, and I just stuck with it. College, I switched I'm my last year. I'm glad that the Utah Jazz news already shown that you're trying to avoid the real reason is Kobe. And the- <laughs> I, I appreciate that you've reached the point that you're, you already know you're supposed to be avoiding. We won't talk about yeah. his last game or any of that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> pleasure to meet you. Yeah, you too. Look forward to watching you play. Thanks Thank very much. You. Absolute pleasure to chat with Mia One. I hope you enjoyed the conversation uh, as well. Uh, we will continue. Uh, Williams Goss will join us coming up this week um, as well. Uh, that'll be super fun to talk with him and find out about his journey. Uh, we'll continue with the player interviews. We'll look at 15 to 22 on the shot clock. We'll look at offensive rebound. We're geeking out. We're getting you ready for it uh, all week long. Hope you've enjoyed the show today. Make sure you stay uh, with us uh, throughout the week. We're going to get get it going for you. Um, so all that. By the way, special deal going on for you at Vivid Seats app. will help you get your favorite live event and their promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. So if you want to do that. It's all going on on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'll talk to you for Locked On Live tomorrow morning as well as Locked On Jazz. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.